we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the Weekend Vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. You heard it right. That great intro was done from my good friend Joe Horn. You got to love Joe Horn's voice. So that is correct. The new website's been launched. It is Sheila.media. That's S-H-E-I-L-A dot media. Very simple, very easy. A one-stop shop for everything. And the player is much better. As you'll notice, it's just one click away. I really like this new player. If you have downloaded the Weekend Vigilante app, that's right. When you go look for it, you just type in Weekend Vigilante. Please delete the app and re-download it like I myself had to do. That is the way to work out all the glitches. So we also listen to you, the listener. You wanted to be able to listen to the show while you were multitasking on your phone, and we made that happen as well. So I'm really happy that the website seems up and running, much better bandwidth for all our media, and so we're really happy about it. And I hope you like the overall layout and the aesthetic look of it as well. We think that it just looks much easier. And hey, there's even an events page. I have a few book signings coming up, and I'm just trying to confirm some dates on another speaking engagement in November at a church. If you would like me to speak at your church, or if you would like Carl and I to talk about the book Power Prayers, amazing book. I hope you have it. If you don't have Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, get a copy just simply click on the book tab. And also there's my book, Green Gospel, This Insidious Religion of Environmentalism, Saving the Planet, because we're in a climate catastrophe, as Al Gore says. So you can support my work that way. And also, finally, if you have not become a Patreon member, that is a monthly commitment. I'm looking for people that would be willing to be a sponsor of $25 or more a month. One-time donations are fantastic, and I really appreciate them, but it is very hard to plan a person's work accordingly. So by the end of the month, I am very much trying to reach a goal. And if you've pledged a dollar or $2 a month, would you do five? That is something to consider if you have the means to do more. I would really appreciate that. I don't have to tell you guys that the censorship is vitriolic. We have no source of income on really anything. No one will pick up my podcast because it's not considered advertiser-friendly. My YouTube channel is certainly not friendly content. And so it's a listener-based ministry. So all that information is over there at the new website. That's Sheila.media. We have a great guest. Let's jump right into the show. My guest is Pastor Rodney Howard Brown from Revival Ministries International and the pastor at River Tampa Church. He's got an amazing event that starts on the 15th and goes all the way to October 22nd at the RMI World Headquarters. And I will link in the trailer for that because it sounds like a very exciting event. Great to have you back, sir. 
Rodney, where do you start with all the implosion of all things? Hollywood is busting loose. All hell is breaking loose in Hollywood. And they all knew, by the way, which is amazing to me. And I said, where is the Women's March of the Antifa protest against the rampant sexual abuse in Hollywood? Oh, yeah, that's right. Nothing to see here, folks. I mean, really, where besides Hollywood do we see a ruthless culture of sexual exploitation? Well, that's another thing that's going on. If you guess the NFL, you'd be absolutely right. I mean, the NFL's big budgets are plummeting faster than Megyn Kelly's ratings. We already knew Hollywood was full of miscreant and sexual predators, but it almost kind of feels like a big distraction to get everybody's eyes off this whole crumbling Vegas narrative. That's what I tweeted out yesterday. I said this whole Hollywood thing is about uh, to distract from Las Vegas. But I think we've got to stay on this Las Vegas thing because yeah. their story's come unra- coming unraveled. Now NBC, let's see what they're going to pull off because they their ratings are plummeting as the president's focused his attention on uh, NBC. So this is going to be very interesting to see what actually happens. Last month on a show with Mark Taylor, I said, Trump needs to start Trump News Network. Do you agree? <laughs> you know, I, I just heard this. Apparently that he's actually, um, believe it was his daughter-in-law that started a, a news uh, thing out of New York, out of the Trump Towers. And apparently they have a, a lady who is now like a, a show host who's actually reading the news. Basically, they get the, the briefings from the White House and they just report the news. That's what I heard. Do we need to be a little worried about Ivanka and her husband? You know, let me say this. They are totally loyal to the president. So they're not going to, and, and, and I know there's people say the president is going to be pushed as well, that no one, let me repeat, no one pushes Donald Trump around. The way he functions is he is very open to listen to everybody, what they have to say, but he's ultimately going to do what he wants to do. And that's just the way it is. That's the kind of person that he is. Um, Jared and Ivanka are totally loyal. I watched them when I was with them in the Oval Office. I I could read his face. He was totally with the president 100%. And, uh, you know, we got to meet with him. We got to ask questions and we actually got to pray with him. In particular, I was watching Jared's facial expressions because you can watch, you know, when kids are around and the parents talking and and they're kind of, you know, well, we've heard it all before and you can see their face. But his face was lit up. He was hanging on every word of the president. So um, I, I feel that the president put them around him because he knew that he could trust them. And obviously, you can understand, surrounded by what he's surrounded in Washington, D.C., first of all, it's a miracle he even got in the White House, number one, <laughs> yeah. knowing what we know. And then number two, who do you actually even trust? Everybody there is on the take. It's the worst swamp on the planet. And so in some ways, at first, I think he put people in around him who he knew exactly who they were. But it's the old adage of keep your uh, your friends close and your enemies closer, yeah. you know. But um, obviously, I don't think they're going to last long. I think whoever is undermining or doing whatever is going to be on the out. And uh, I was very happy to see uh, General Kelly tell the press yesterday, try to get other sources. You know, your sources are wrong on everything. And, he, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that Jared and, and Ivanka is the problem, not to the president. And um, I don't think ultimately they're going to they're going to go with what he wants. Interesting take. What is it, Rodney, that drives these liberal hirelings absolutely crazy about Donald Trump. 
you know, it's not just the witches casting spells and all that. Their absolute vehement hatred of this guy is absolutely shocking. What is it about this guy that causes their heads to explode like this? Because he's un- he's undermining everything that he's already undone, probably over nearly close to 70% of Obama's agenda. <laughs> he's already undone it. It's already, it's already dismantled. And he's wrecking everything. He's setting the globalists. I mean, was it yesterday that he opted out of UNESCO? Yeah. I mean, UNESCO, they go around annexing property all around the planet, basically. It becomes a World Heritage Site. Like, like the Statue of Liberty doesn't actually even belong to America now. It's a World Heritage Site. And many of our treasures were handed over. So when the president said, we're out of that, people are freaking out. Even the climate change agreement, which you understand climate change got nothing to do with that. First of all, it was global warming. Then they realized that that whole thing was a farce. I've got the front cover of, I believe it was Newsweek magazine, 1977, or Time magazine, 1977, which said 51 things to prepare for the coming ice age. So the whole thing is a total scam. UNESCO is straight out of the pit of hell. He's also dismantled the new EPA, the coal regulations. Like you said, he's a glo- totally. he's a globalist wrecking ball here. No, totally. And uh, so the whole the whole climate change thing with Paris was about global governance. So they can tell you what to do. You can't do that. That's going to affect the climate. And I actually saw about two weeks ago, came out, one agency said that they're finding that trees now are causing the problems and emitting carbon dioxide. <laughs> so I said, oh, my, what are we going to chop down all the trees? You people are clinically insane. I mean, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, as long as the earth remains as seed time and harvest, day and night, summer and winter will not cease. And that's it. So there, there's the climate change. <laughs> summer and winter, summer and winter will not cease. The book of Genesis, as long as the earth remains. So I don't care what they say. I already got from the number one scientist, Almighty God, and he said that summer and winter will not cease. So, you know, the globe, the earth has always been through cooling and heating. And then, of course, we have to get into the whole thing of weather modification, what they've been doing with, with the chemtrails, what they've been doing with creating drought, manipulating weather, which this is not, this is not some conspiracy theory. This is fact. They started doing this during the Second World War, and um, they've been manipulating weather for for the last 50 years. That's what they did with California, destroy basically the food basket. And then you saw with all these fuels uh, that they were growing, you know, biofuels. We got, we got the main area of agriculture being turned into biofuel production. You can't eat biofuel. So it was all about creating food shortages. I mean, we used to be in a place where the world's food supply was six months wow. in backup. It's down to days. One crisis and people are starving. I mean, you could go within 11 days from today into people eating each other. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. But I mean, this is almost like science fiction, you know, something out of the horror film. Well, look at just this year. You want to talk about a horror film, Netflix and all their garbage are spewing. I mean, what was the number one trending show on Netflix was about what you just said, cannibalism. I mean, how right straight out of the demonic pit of hell is that? And look at all these tech giants and technocrats that are into drinking blood for youthfulness, anti-aging and longevity. I mean, all of this is it's, it's just very demonic. Yeah, no, listen, I mean, it's been around for centuries. I mean, these, you know, when people die, whatever the demons that inhabited them, the demons don't die, the demons just go into the next person. So uh, you've still got demons that have been around for centuries that, uh, that in, in, you know, indwelt Hitler, indwelt many of the, of the people out there, and they go around to find another host to carry them. That's why we've got to get people saved 
get hearts changed, get people filled with the Holy Spirit, and so that the Holy Spirit gets free and full expression through their life rather than the power of the enemy, uh, which is, is rampant, you know. And th- the reason, I mean, I believe that God is using the president, as, we, or as I said right from the beginning, that he's a wrecking ball to the New World Order, the One World uh, Agenda, and also the whole of the satanic movement that's going on. You know, the president is a genius at distracting the press, and he does it through his tweets. And while they all finding out of his tweets, he's doing something else, wreck them. Even even with uh, between him and the attorney general, it's a whole game they were playing. They're totally in agreement with each other, but they were playing a game to distract the media. So um, even in the next six months, that we're going to see some major people are going to be arrested. I think there's a lot of stuff going to come down even coming out of this uh, this whole Hollywood thing has opened up the whole of Hollywood. You know, Hollywood's been attacking the president. The media now are coming under scrutiny. People are realizing that the majority of the media is just fake news. It's no more news. It's bias, opinion, and propaganda. So people, people are waking up. Many, many are waking up. Now, I mean, I know major people that were in love with the NFL. They don't want to watch another NFL game. <laughs> and even if the NFL... Yeah, no, no never watch. People are burning their, their gear. So the NFL's done. Hollywood is done. The gods of America are being brought to naught. The gods of America are being brought to the ground. They're being brought to naught. And I believe this is going to be the spark that brings in a great awakening where people are going to cry out to God because everything that they've trusted now is a fake. So I'm so excited now. I believe the president's going to release the Kennedy files, which will be phenomenal. So the American people can see, you know, what was done when they murdered President Kennedy. So, I mean, even though he was a, a Democrat, he still loved America and was going to do away with the Federal Reserve. That's why they, they killed his brother and himself. So, I mean, if we have to pray for our president on a daily basis, which we do. We've got a, we've got our, on our website, we've got a prayer thing. Where we've got thousands of people just praying over the president now, praying over the nation, that every plan of the enemy is brought to, to nothing. And one of the things we've been praying since, man, before 2014, but I know when I went to Washington, D.C. for the first time, 15 nights at the Constitution Hall, I issued a restraining order. I'll actually send you the video clip so you can watch it, but just uh, took authority. I mean, I, the Constitution Hall's in the shadow of the White House. And when you, when you see the clip, you'll actually, you'll feel it. It'll come through the screen. I mean, I stood there for 15 wow. days and issued a restraining order, told the devil, you can't have this country. This country doesn't belong to you. This country belongs to Jesus. And I took authority over the, over the structures and from the Supreme Court to the White House to the Congress to the Senate. And that I issued a, in the spirit a restraining order where it told the enemy you will stop in your maneuvers. And, of course, we saw a turnaround. We've, we've seen a turnaround. I know that the people freaked out about Trump, but nobody, there's nobody that could do what he's doing. There's no one that could go in and wreck the system like he is because he's not, he didn't care anything. He's not loyal to the Republican Party because they're wicked. Democrats, we already know what they are, but the Republican Party hides behind the gospel, hides behind all the little conservative ideas, but they are wicked to the core. Yeah, well, sadly, these politicians are wicked, but it's not just that. It's the fact that the church system has become vile and wicked as well. They don't look anything different than the world nowadays, really. They don't stand up against abortion. They don't stand up against the wicked, debaucherous LGTB agenda. Not in the seeker-friendly, politically correct, anything-goes-church nowadays. Yeah, but I mean, you know, obviously the people don't read the word which the Bible tells you the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, you know, I mean, that's one of the problems. People don't see what the scripture says. Look, 
Let me just say this as an encouragement out there. There are, there are churches that, that are not doing it, but there are many that are. And it's like Elijah, you know, when he was said, I'm, I'm the only prophet in the land. And the Lord said, no, there's 7,000 others. So there is an army that's being raised up. It's bigger than what you can imagine. And there are many people that have not bowed their knee and have not compromised, and they're not in bed with the world. And God is raising up this army in this, in this final hour, which I believe we're going to see a great awakening. And I can't wait for you to see that clip I should have sent to you a long time ago, but it's from 2014 when we issued that restraining order. So, you know, we have to stand in the gap and we have to pray. And we, he said, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, will be loose in heaven. And we have to be God's hands and feet on the earth and his mouthpiece proclaiming. And um, if you read Jeremiah uh, chapter one, he says to, to root out, to pull down, to throw down, to destroy. And then it says to build and plant which most or many ministers are into building and planting, but they don't go and root out and destroy. Yeah, we have to take the old structures and we have to destroy them. We have to throw them down. It's basically like Jesus walking in, making whips and, and turning over the banking cabal of the day, which was running the whole temple tax. You had to come through them to get the, the right money to buy the sacrifice, which is no different than what's going on in, in the globe with the, with the private central banks in the world. You know, it's the same spirit that's been around for centuries. So, um, but I believe that the church is waking up. And I think when everything around people that they've trusted for years falls and fails, they'll cry out to God. And I, and I believe that's going to happen. So we're praying against this November the 4th Antifa uprising. We're praying against that. And that whatever they plan is going to be exposed. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, I got goosebumps when you said, you know, these gods of America are crumbling. That's what I say all the time. We are not using our authority and canceling and nullifying and bringing to naught the enemy's plans. We should be storming the enemy's camp and kicking butt and taking names with our authority. The enemy is relentless. He's trying to wear out the saints. We need to be relentless doing spiritual warfare. And I really believe, Rodney, that God is getting ready to release an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm really excited for what's coming. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're going to see in this final hour, where we will actually see people walking in the power of God to the degree where there'll be divine judgments, where, you know, like Ananias the fire dropped dead. They lied, you know, that was just over an offering. Can you imagine? In the King James, I love it. It says that when that happened, no man durst join himself to the church. So somebody said, you got to go to that church. No, I, I durst not. Because, you know, my cousin and his wife, Sapphira, they, they lied over the offering and they died. And some people think that was under the old covenant, but it wasn't. It was under grace that that happened. So I believe that we're going to see like Herod in the book of Acts was taking the glory for himself. And an angel struck him and he was eating up with worms. So I think we're going to see um, supernatural things happen in this final hour where people are going to know that there is a God. And I think the fear of God is going to come back in the church. Fear of God is going to come back in the pulpits. And people are going to realize there's not a game. You know, you can't mock the things of God, and you can't mock the Holy Ghost. And um, as far as, you know, some of the pastors and whatever, you know, I've looked at this thing from many angles. Uh, somebody was attacking one of the ministers that's prominent in America, and they said, oh, they this, that. I said, listen, just be quiet. I said, you know, I actually happen to know those people. They're very godly people. They love God with all their heart, and that's their gift. They have a gift that what you and I could not do. And I said, they're doing... It's the whole body working together. It's not one part of the body, you know. 
it's like the soccer player on the field. The foot kicks the ball, but um, you need the whole body to carry the foot, you know. So it's the whole body working together. And every and I think that's another thing, too. The body of Christ has never, has never understood the body. You know, yeah. we, come, we come with revival and then we get criticized. But people don't understand that with what we do with revival makes people hungry for the teaching of the word. So our ministry is going to bless all the teachers. And the teachers say, oh, we don't need that. That's just craziness. It's all those people getting touched and whatever. No, excuse me. That's not how the kingdom works. So everybody's got to take their place. So, you know, I had a minister say, well, that guy's a fake. I said, okay, you go rent an arena. Let's see how you do. If you think it can just be fake and go do that. No, there's no person that can do that unless the Lord is with them. God has many, many different things that he does for his purpose in his kingdom. You can just look in, in the animal world, in the fishes, in the sea. You look at that fish, you think, man, that's a crazy looking fish. I wonder what his job description is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, but, but the Lord does these things. And I think God does these things to show the hearts of individuals. You, the, the wheat and the tares grow up together. You actually will not know what's the difference between the wheat and the tares until the time of the harvest, because a wheat and a tare looks identical in every way. But at the time of the harvest, the wheat bow, as we could say, in humility, because they're laden down with the fruit, but the tares stand straight up in arrogance. So it's only at the time of the harvest that you can see which is the difference between the wheat and the tares. And the Lord is the Lord of the harvest, and God will separate between the wheat and the tares in that final hour. But, you know, I'm excited. I, you know, I really am excited about what God's doing. And I, four or five years ago, I was like very distressed about what I saw. I, I didn't see a way through for America. But I see it now. And, uh, and I believe God's given us one more, one more hour of daylight. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. In 2008, we went to the city of Phoenix, Arizona to do a great awakening. We had 650 churches sign up to come on board. And I looked at it, and Phoenix is a very big city, you know, stretched from side to side, probably 85 miles. And so I, would, I was going to rent an arena, and you know, we spend millions of dollars to go do that for a whole 10 days or whatever. And I felt that the Lord didn't want me to do that. So I divided the city into five areas, north, south, east, west, central Phoenix. We went in 15 days, moved around the city, trained up about 2,600 people to go on the streets, win souls. And so during that 15-day period, we saw just over 46,000 people give their lives to Christ. And I was speaking in a Lutheran church on a Monday night. And as I was preaching, I began to prophesy. And, you know, prop the word prophecy means to bubble forth, to tumble forth, to spring forth. Because prophecy doesn't come out of your head. It comes out of your spirit, out of your belly. It flows like a river. And so when I began to prophesy, the words I used were not words I've ever used before. So as I heard the words, I actually was listening intently to hear what was going to come next because I never heard the combination of words that came along those lines. And this is what the Lord said, tell the church to speak to the Son. And I thought, well, that's my mind quickly thought about that's like weird. What do you mean speak to the Son? But the next line came, for the Son is fast setting on the horizon of time. But just like Joshua commanded the sun and the moon to stand still, and I gave him one more day of daylight to prevail against the enemy, so the church shall speak to the sun, and I will grant unto you one more hour, for there is not a day left. And that hit me like a sledgehammer. So that was 2008, in the month of October. So I said, Lord, one more hour of daylight. 
What's that for? He said to bring in the final harvest. There's, there's no other reason. We are in the closing of the ages. Jesus is coming very soon. And we have to get the church ready. We have to get them mobilized. All hands on deck from the littlest child to the oldest saint. So uh, I said, okay, so how much is an hour? You know, so I figured kind of in my natural mind, just working out if a thousand years is a day, days a thousand years, an hour would be about 40 years, which I said, I'll take that because that'll put me into my late 80s. And I'll be happy to go home at that time. So we've really stayed focused just on mobilizing the churches because 95% of the church in America do not win souls. They just don't. They come to church Sunday, they, they sing in the choir, they're in Sunday school, whatever, but they never. So what we've been doing is aggressive, aggressive evangelism, people on the streets. And, and so wherever I go, I, at the night, we do what we call upper room meetings where people come, get empowered by the Holy Spirit, which, you know, the mainstream religious cabal hates what we do because we come in with a wrecking ball to the whole religious structure, the whole religious system, which is really a grave with the ends kicked out. But Jesus comes, he restores to people the joy of their salvation, he fills their cup to overflowing, he anoints their head with oil, and he allows them to come and feast at the banquet table in the presence of the enemy. He binds up the brokenhearted, he heals those that have been hurt and then he mobilizes them. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this army of people that have been raised up 2000, since 2008. Uh, well, I know just since 2011, we're sitting over 12.8 million people saved. It was 119 countries in 4,000, close to 4,200 cities of people that are linking together with us in what we call uh, the Great Awakening, the mobilization of the body of Christ for winning souls, winning souls in the, in the schools university campuses and places of business, places of government, in the shops, wherever people are witnessing one-on-one evangelism, radical evangelism, walking up to total strangers and asking them several questions and within 30 seconds praying with them. And uh, so people, people are getting saved, lives are being touched and changed. So I realize that that's the only hope. The church, the church has to mobilize and pastors have to mobilize it. It's got to go from the pulpit to the pew, mobilizing the people. And then everybody has to take their place. So God wants to raise up people in government. He wants to raise up people in every, in every realm of, you know, what we call the seven mountains to take the territory, to drive back the darkness. And somebody said to me, well, you can't change Bible prophecy, you know, Jesus coming and the Antichrist. I said, listen, I understand all that, but I'm still here. I'm not at the end of my life. I'm still here. What, do you want me to go live in a mountain somewhere and just wait for him to come? Absolutely not. We are going to slam this thing up every which way but loose. And if the Antichrist thinks he's taking over on my watch, he's smoking some of the bad legalized weed. That's all I can say. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. But you see what God is doing in even different parts of the world. We were just in Bahrain. We were in Dubai. Churches are springing up all over. Churches are springing up across Saudi Arabia. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so um, we're not going to go hide in a mountain somewhere waiting, you know, for Jesus to come. We've already resolved to the fact that we will stand, we will be bold, we will speak out. And if, and if it means death, then so be it. Bring it on. It's fine. It's no problem. We're not worried about our life or our safety. I mean, I, I can't remember which year it was that I did a conference called, you won't believe this, I did a conference on martyrdom, wow. eight days on martyrdom, which I never announced it because I knew nobody would come. But the whole theme of the conference was on martyrdom. And I went through the early church, how every one of them died, then we went down through the centuries. We talked about the cost of serving Jesus, you know. Hey, we've already counted the cost, so we're not afraid. And that's what we're going to see, a radical, radical 
final hour army of, of the living God, God raising them up from obscurity, marching through the land like these Antifa people that are full of the devil. And now we're going to see people full of God, full of the Holy Ghost, marching through the land. And, and I believe we're going to see another great awakening. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that God's given us one more hour. I, and I felt the Lord say it was with us. It was with us to do that. It wasn't with him to do that. How many Christians you know that say, um, I'm waiting on the Lord? You know, it's like if I was praying, Lord, I'm waiting on you. And the Lord say, son, I'm waiting on you. You know, it tells the story of Moses where, and I love it. It says, God comes down at the burning bush, you know, and, and he says, take up your shoes. And then God says, I have seen, I have seen, and I've heard. I've seen the affliction of my people, and I've heard. And he says, I've come down to deliver them. Now come, I'm going to send you. And Moses was already 40 years on the backside of a desert looking after some sheep. He already felt like a failure. And God said, I've seen, I've seen, I've heard. I've come down to deliver them. I'd have said to God, what? You've come down to deliver them, and now you want to send me. Excuse me. I'll watch you do it. That's how God is. In the sovereign plan of God, God has put himself subject to mortal man before he does anything in the earth. That he finds somebody like a Noah. That he finds people down through the years, down through the centuries. Elijah was a man of like passions. And yet he spoke, and the heavens stopped. The rain, there was drought. And then he spoke again, and the rains came. And that's what God wants us to do. You know, I was studying um, the writings of Marco Polo. Have I ever told you this before? No. Okay, so in the writings of Marco Polo, the unabridged version, it's like over a thousand pages. I came upon this, <laughs> this is like radical, what I'm about to tell you. So I come across this, this passage where Marco was traveling. Now, of course, Marco Polo was born in Venice. His father and his uncle were merchant traders and explorers, and they'd left to go to the province of the Great Khan. They left for 19 years. They get back. Marco's mother had died giving birth to him. He was raised by the rest of the family. So when Marco took off, his journey took him 29 years. Make a long story short, he travels to the province of Iraq, to the city of Baghdad, which was on the trade route from east to west. Baghdad was a city of great wealth with tapestries and wool and spices and just everything. People would come through there. But that area was, was uh, controlled by a certain caliph, and the writing was in, in ancient English, and it said, um, so I'm just going to quote what they said in, in the book. It said he was of the Mohammedan faith, and they said were, were very barbaric people. And this is in the year 1225 that Marco had found the story of what happened in 1225. But the Christians were also very wealthy and controlled part of the trade route from east to west. And the caliph took it upon himself to do what he could to dispose or, or to, to really steal from the Christians. And he, the way he would do that would find scripture. And then he would say to them, do you believe it? And they say, yes. He said, okay, prove it. If you prove it, then I'll let you alone. If you don't, I'm taking everything you have. So he was very excited the day that he found the scripture that said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be moved and be cast in the sea. So he called the Christians together. Now, this is the year 1225. 100,000 Christians came. Can you imagine that? And they were split into two groups. The one group called the Jacobites, the other one's called the Nestorians. They were not unified, but you know, when the enemy comes, he didn't care. That's what people don't understand. When ISIS comes, they don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, or just live on a farm. If you believe in the cross and you believe in Jesus, you're dead. That's it. Somebody said, well, I don't speak in tongues and I don't lay hands on people. We're not crazy. Look, 
Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe in the cross? That's it. That's, that's the big divide. That's the big divide. So if you don't hang together, you're going to hang separately. But anyway, so these 100,000 Christians were by decree to meet the caliph in the valley where there's a huge mountain. And he said to them, do you believe the scripture? It says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved and be moved. And they said, yes. He said, good, because 10 days from now, you'll meet me in this valley and you'll move the mountain. If you move the mountain, I'll convert to Christianity. If you don't, you'll convert to my religion. If you, if you will not, I will kill you and take everything you have. Because, he said, I will prove that you are reprobate to your faith because you don't even have that which is even of a mustard seed. Mm. So a fear went out through the whole camp. People, people fell on the ground, adults, children. People cried out to God night and day. Day one, two, three, four, five, eight days into this prayer, crying out to God, the writing said that a bishop, a very pious bishop, had a vision to travel two hours north to a village. And in this village, he would find a one-eyed shoemaker. And on this one-eyed shoemaker was the gift of divine grace to move the mountain. So he journeyed to the village, arrived in, found the shoemaker's store, walked in, was very happy to find that he had one eye, because when you need a one-eyed shoemaker, you don't want a guy with two eyes. <laughs> so he walked in, and he said to him, I've come because, and he told them about the plight and the Christians in great peril, and I was praying in the eighth day, and in the vision, I was told to come, and that upon you is the gift of divine grace to move the mountain. And the, and the one-eyed shoemaker said, no, you've got the wrong person. I'm not worthy that such this gift would be bestowed upon, upon me. But the bishop was very persuasive, as you can understand, there two more days. And so after much persuasion, the one-eyed shoemaker decided, okay, he would go along. So the story goes that he got the one-eyed because on a certain day, a very beautiful woman came to have a foot measured to get a new pair of shoes or whatever they wore in those days. And the writing says that as he, she sat down, her skirt fell open and exposed her leg. And the writing said in the ancient English that it aroused in him a momentary concupiscence. And so remembering the scripture that if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, he immediately took no further measurement from the woman and asked her to please leave his store. And then went in the back room and took a hook and plucked his eye out, which... I know that's pretty radical, but we would say, oh, you don't need to do that. But isn't it amazing when a mountain needed to be moved, they needed to find somebody that obviously this one-eyed shoemaker really affected his faith before God. I mean, in, in essence, God is looking for like one-eyed shoemakers in a sense for Canada, for, for, for America. They're going to stand up. So anyway, so their journey on the 10th on the day, they rose way before dawn and they prayed fervently. They went out, there was the caliph and all his men, and they gave the shoemaker a pole with a cross on it and basically, you know, pointed him in the direction, you know, there's the mountain, do, do, do your thing, while everybody stood and watched. And the shoemaker went out and knelt down and said, oh God, grant us this day victory, grant unto us the gift of divine grace to move this mountain. And then he got up and pointed the mountain, said, oh mountain, be moved. And there was a great earthquake. The mountain moved, <laughs> disappeared out of the way. And the writing says that the caliph and his men were overcome with stupefaction. And they walked like, uh, for like hours. And he converted to Christianity. So later when he died, he was not buried with his predecessor. They buried him in an unmarked grave because they found a cross under his garments. The Christians were saved. And that group of people in, in Iraq every year celebrated the day on which the divine grace when the mountain moved. Well, I have a friend, uh, Ken and Andrew White, who had a church in Baghdad, and he was speaking in our church here in Tampa. And I said to him, I said, Ken, can you check for me and find out if these people still exist? Well, about four months later, he called me up and said, Rodney, they do. I found them in the mountains, and they still celebrate from the year 1225, the day that the mountain moved. And of uh -huh. course, 
subsequently now that village was destroyed by ISIS, which really spoke to me, because even though you could have something happen in your city, in your region, 12, in the year 1225, and you still celebrate it, but yet there still has to be people with power to come against that structure. You know, nothing is passed down by osmosis. Everybody has to catch it afresh. And the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are running to and far throughout the whole earth. God is looking for people that he can show himself strong in their behalf. And so when we cry out, when we say, oh, God, come, you can use me, take me as I am. God will come and he will raise up people from obscurity and he will use them for his glory. So that was a remarkable story, which really encouraged me that if people could move. Can you imagine? 1225, they moved a mountain. And Christians today can't even get out of bed. And that is really a good example of faith. It reminds me kind of of Elijah with the showdown, the prophets of Baal, the boldness that he had to say, bring it. You call on the name of your gods, but my God's better. But also what, what, what Elijah did was he mocked them. He totally mocked them, you know, which, which is almost like, I know people are going to get upset. Some people are going to get upset, but our president's mocking all these things. Yeah, and I start doing it too. I'm mocking everything. All of these wicked entities, you know, like the, the Elijah said, call aloud, cry out, where's your God? He must be on a, he must have been on sleeping and maybe he's on the toilet, you know. <laughs> you know? So, uh, no, God is going to answer by fire. We're going to see supernatural things happen. And I believe it with all my heart. We're going to see it happen in this final hour. So, Wow, praise God. That is a very encouraging message. I think you are absolutely right. I really think we're going to see a move of God like never before that I really bear witness with that in my spirit as well. Rodney, I know you got to run. Got a, you guys got a bunch of people coming in. You've got an incredible event going on that starts on Sunday. So the October 15th goes all the way to the 22nd. You've got a Tulsa, Oklahoma meeting coming up. Lots of very exciting things on the horizon. Such a move of God happening in these meetings Tell folks where they can get some more information on the locations, the dates. Really encourage people if they're in these areas to get out to these. And also how folks can find you on social media and give out your website, please. Well, Revival.com. That's a very easy website. Revival.com. There's links to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and my Twitter account, which is very political because I deal with governmental things and stuff on my on my Twitter account. People, I do quote scriptures, but it's not... About that, somebody was picking on me the other day. Why didn't you quote more scriptures? I said, Well, I mean, I'll let somebody else do that. I said, We're trying to wake people up. But um, then we have a meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in November, the first first week of November from the fifth. And um, there's some other things that are going to be slotted in. But the big thing is it's Sunday now, starting this Sunday to Sunday, eight days, two meetings a day. It's called, it's called the Abundant Rain Conference. It's really going to be about prayer. And it's all out of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, the showdown. And, they, and I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. So it, it, that's what the whole theme of this week is going to be about. So people can watch it live. You can watch it on our YouTube channel every morning, 10 o'clock, every night, 7 o'clock. It's, it's available. And I've got all that information, including the trailer on this event that starts Sunday night. And folks, if you're in Florida, try to get out to that. I've got all that information linked in the description. Rodney, thank you for what your ministry is doing in this lateness of the hour. The fact you've never veered or waffled on Donald Trump. You're one of the very few pastors that I actually know that has stuck to his guns when it comes to Trump. So thank you for your political voice, your boldness, and thank you for all the things that you're doing. And I hope everyone is very blessed over this next seven, eight days 
should be an incredible thing. I encourage people to live stream it or get out to it if you are out there in Florida. Rodney, thank you so much for your time and coming on the program today. God bless. Thank you, Sheila. Keep up the good work, and we'll see you soon. Folks, that was Rodney Howard-Brown. Check out his River at Tampa Bay Church. If you are in the area, definitely check out this incredible Abundant Rain Conference, October 15th through the 22nd. As he said, you can live stream it. Heavy rain. We could use a little bit of that, couldn't we? For more information, go to revival.com. That's revival.com. And again, there's also some revival meetings coming up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in an area near you. So do check that out. Well, tomorrow on the program, ooh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've really wanted to do this topic with Pastor Monty Mulkey. It is a very powerful teaching, and I think it is going to bless a lot of people. I know it's going to be life-changing, actually. I know it is. Well, again, don't forget, bookmark Sheila.media, and we'll see you again real soon. Good night, and God bless.